We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, good morning, CMOS girlies. It is Kate and Emma. We are back with the podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode with the founder of Rasa. And I am back in Omaha. I have all the graduations to celebrate for two of my brothers. So it's been a lot of family stuff. But being home, I will say, is a nice reset. I'm like obviously very lucky and privileged that I have a great um, relationship with my family. But it's just nice, you know, to kind of be around normal Joes, people who like, you know, don't care about aesthetics and you can just kind of like be a slum in your like little house and like look gross. But how are you, uh, Kate? I feel like we like haven't talked in years because we kind of haven't. Yeah. I was going to ask if you could give us the full rundown of what your daily routine has been in Omaha, but you know, same fucking shit over here in New York. Um, it's really weird working freelance. Like I know this is a common thing and I was talking to people about it, which made me feel better just because I didn't want to feel like in the dark, but there's obviously like months that are just slow. And then there's like times of the month that are slow. And for me, like beginning of the month is always very busy. And like this end of the month has just been dragging. Like, I'm like, what the fuck have I done in May? Like, have I made like a positive like source of income this entire month? Like what the hell? So I've been in a little bit of a slump, but I'm going to Copenhagen next week just because I've wanted to, and I've like saved up money and I just am like a frugal bitch. And I figured I should go well. I don't have any kids or a husband or all that stuff weighing me down. So how is, how is the Omaha life? You know, what, what's, what's um, bringing joy over there? Well, um, I have been working and obviously, you know, where I work, it's Eastern time. So, you know, even though it's only one hour difference, it still is like fucking me up. So I've been like having to wake up at like 5am to like go on a run and then like to log on to work like in time. And so then I'll like look up at the clock and it's like 10am and I'm like, oh my God, I have done so much today and I still have so much life to live, but you know, it's been fine. Just a lot of, you know, working, going on walks with my dad. My parents are considering getting a schnauzer. My dad has been wanting to get a dog since my brother Nathaniel the high schools that my brothers go to it's boarding school like throughout the week and so my parents are going to be like empty nesters basically for the first time and um my dad is like we need dogs my mom's like I don't really want a dog my dad's like no we need dogs and so he sent like a link to um whatever this like website for schnauzers so we're all scrolling through that um so I think it's just been you know it's interesting coming home and just like seeing how like people have changed and also like haven't changed but yeah, you know, no crazy food updates really. Your dad have been doing like fun little snacks or weird like experiments. I feel like I've been he's seeing on Twitter. Me? Oh yes. Let's see here. Oh, um, the thing with my household, and I was I was watching a TikTok where it's like my parents aren't granola types, but like it's like we have food at home, but we also don't, and it's just like yeah. we don't have snacks. So it's like basically like you just have like things that you can dip things into. So like. I was dipping lettuce into mustard because we didn't have any dips or condiments or I'll just like eat like, you know, random handfuls of like cashews, like dipped in like peanut butter. And I'm like, this is a snack, I guess, but it's like been like very weird, food. like me like nibbling here and there. Yeah. Right. My family's opposite. We have a lot of snacks in my household. Um, and I feel like whenever I'm home, I always go grocery shopping and I just feel like there's always a period when like all of them are home and my mom's always like super proactive and buys like four times the amount of food that's needed. I'm like, mom, just because there's like three kids doesn't mean we need like eight portions of like stuff. Like, you know, I think she, like she had 11 siblings. And so I feel like she imagines that all of her kids are like football linebackers and like need to eat like two pork, like a pork breast, pork breast. That's not a word. Pork, pork, 
pork uh what is the like the Brisket? unit of, i don't i don't fucking salami meat i don't know man i ran yeah. 10 miles i'm very dehydrated you know when you take a shower and you still are like you're still kind of like sweating that's kind of me right now mm-hmm. um so i'm still kind of going through it you know shout out harmless harvest who sent us a shit ton emma and i are in our food pr era and i will continue to fucking accept it i will accept any food you want to throw my way we got like twenty thousand things of coconut water and then also like these coconut smoothies which just have like a little bit of coconut meat in them emma and i were talking off pod before we started that like i don't have room for this type of shit so that we have that my next point was that granola butter uh miss ali bonar sent us some um, from i don't know is it called granola butter oat house like is oat house i think the they rebranded to oat house now okay i'm just confused. but y'all know what i'm talking about uh got three flavors of that of course i've already just demolished all the jars that brings me to my next point that i just think measuring units we did a podcast episode about nutritional labels and like what's bunk and what's real but like who the fuck is eating a tablespoon of anything when you actually go and look at a measuring tablespoon, it is fucking tiny. Maybe I just have big spoons. And I know, Emma, you eat with little spoons. But, like, are we actually eating a tablespoon of chocolate chips? That is, like, eight chocolate chips. Yeah, no, it's kind of sad when you are, like, let's investigate and see what a true serving size is. It's very dark. And that's why I typically try to avoid it. And I just, you know, my standard serving size is just like whatever can fit into my palm. Like that is my, that is Emma's serving size. Eat out of your hand. I never really eat out of my hand, Um, but that's awesome. I just think, I just am like, why the fuck am I already through something that I got two days ago? But you know, let yourself do whatever the fuck you want. Don't spiral about food. It's stupid business to be there. Um, next point. <laughs> this is like, this might be controversial because I feel like a lot of CMOS girlies are going to like be pissed at me for saying this, but like, why is everyone being a freak about Emma Chamberlain? Okay. I, to, to get me with my personal relationship with her videos, I've watched her videos and subscribed to her YouTube. I think she's very beautiful. I think she's like cultivated this type of like being a you know, like an anti-aesthetic influencer. That's very cool. Like, I think a lot of her is like, she built her following on being relatable. Now she has like $3 million and like lives in this house and is like, not very like relatable. Right. People still are like, oh, she's my bestie. But I'm like, do you guys realize that she like lives in this mansion and like makes a hundred thousand dollars on one static in feed Instagram posts? Like she's not your bestie anymore. Right. And like influencers are corporations, myself included. And I think that like a lot of people get this weird parasocial relationship and like don't realize that like they are your best like they can be your like quote like comfort creator I find that term to be really cringe but they're also not and I just think it's very like interesting that like Emma Chamberlain has so many people like snatch there's like people that are 28 that are like I relate to her I think if you're Emma's age and mine 23 and like younger and you relate to Emma Chamberlain like yes I get it like she does the same things as you she makes her coffee she goes she goes whatever but I find it so weird when like 30 year olds are like yeah, Emma Chamberlain's my bestie. Also, I don't know why maybe I'm just like an outlier in this. And like, obviously this is not pertaining to you because you're my best friend, but it's like, I just find it weird that people idolize influencers or care oh, same. that much. Like who's like that Matilda girl who has like the, yes. linen, the linen blazer brand. Like, yeah. I'm just like, why do you guys care this much about like someone that you don't even know? And also, like, they're like, not speaking- that like you need, like, I feel like a lot of influencers now are like very much like carbon copies. And I was like randomly listening to Emma Chamberlain's podcast about like the death of the influencer and you and I were talking about this like off pod about like whether like we like believe in that or whatnot but I don't know I think it's just like it weirds me out because I'm just like I have never really idolized anyone to like that on social media just because I like literally don't give a fuck um, also like here's a here's a fun back girls if you ever see me going on TikTok live or doing an Instagram question tab I am unwell I am down like uh, with the people that are like always on the internet myself included like that is a little bit of a mental disease and like my friend Gaia posted that on TikTok that was like if you're idolizing influencers like no offense but they're talking into their phone every day they're probably very fucking depressed like if you're able to do that it takes a little bit of mental psychosis and I as well I don't I'm not influenced by people like maybe I'll be like oh that's a cute outfit that person's wearing but I just think it's so fucking insane I also have a TikTok copycat right now that's really fucking pissing me off like everything from like talking about magnesium and like being a, like a hoping girl like mm-hmm. you know everyone wears hokas but like the way she's been carbon copying the sounds I use and making like the exact same videos and I'm just like fuck you this is like embarrassing for you but yeah I don't I don't understand and I know like if I'm like, if I would ever to go on the internet and be like, don't be influenced by me, like maybe I would like lose like money. And like, that's kind of negating my whole job. But I just think the whole influencer thing is very weird. And I just think there's this point where like, Emma Chamberlain is not relatable. And like, why do people take that like 
podcast where she was like influencing is dead as like a gospel from God. It's not dead. There's just a lot more people fucking doing it. And she was like one of the first people to get her bag based on influencing. So yeah. I don't know. I just am very weirded out why like, yeah, there's like these cults where it's like Emma Chamberlain, Matilda Jerf, like whoever's going to be the next one is it's just very odd. Yeah, it's very weird. And I feel like I like have just, and also it's like, I don't never read comments of stuff. So like, I don't even like, I feel like I just like kind of view influencer stuff just like very from like a bird's eye perspective. And I'm yeah, just like, like I don't really get into that. I also just feel like the same thing too. It's like a lot of people, they only want to talk about influencers. And I think it's the same thing with like how people only ever want to talk about TV shows. It's like, y'all need to grow some, you need some hobbies. You need to, you know, get into knitting or like making jewelry or something because I do not want to be talking about like people that like don't really matter that much and like grand scheme of things right and I guess people used to be obsessed with celebrities and like influencers who's just like a more relatable celebrity but I don't think a lot of people realize once again that like your favorite influencers are kind of financially equivalent to celebrities so like you know they're kind of conning you to a degree I don't know just make sure you have like a relationship where like you have influencers but if they break up with your boyfriend that it's not like impacting your mental health like I people are crazy about that too Amen. Um, yeah. So I guess some few other things that I want to discuss is, you know, I feel like again, kind of tying back to like the whole influencer stuff, it's easy to like idolize people's lives on the internet. Not saying that like anyone idolizes me like at all, but I think like it's often like easy to forget, like, you know, people go through things and I feel like I am on the path of burnout and I've been like trying to like navigate that. I think just because again, Kate and I, if you don't fucking know, put in a lot of work to like do the podcast, do the memes and just try to like grow and like, hopefully, you know, blossom and like make this something bigger than what it currently is. But it's also very challenging when you work like a full-time job and are just like trying to like, you know, get by every single day. And like this past week, I just have felt like so burnt out. And, you know, my dad was like, Emma, you need to just like, let yourself take a break or like breathe and whatnot. And I think it's like hard for me to like, allow myself just to like, sit back and be like, okay, you can answer emails. like at a different time. Like yeah. you need to take some time for yourself. Um, and so I just want girls to know that if you're also experiencing like, you know, kind of this like burnout period, like I relate. And unfortunately I don't have any tips for you, but I have like definitely prioritized the fact that like, I need to like take some sort of like personal vacation at some point my brother and I might go to like our family farm and just like disconnect for a few days like later this summer which I think will be like really great for me but just let you guys know I have been going crazy and that also ties up into my other point of like I kind of have like this like scarcity mindset when it comes to money everyone knows like you know rent in New York is like insane I'm very nervous to know what my lease renewal will look like but I have like decided that like, you know, for these past few months, I have like not really felt like myself. And it's largely because like my closet does not reflect who I am now. And I have finally decided and I'm, I'm, and I'm allowing myself to like find, like finally like purchase clothes that like, you know, make me feel like excited about like dressing up and like being myself. And it's just like, it's nice to like, kind of like, kind of like allow that to happen and not you know, worry about like money. Like, yes, I'm like a very frugal in like many other ways, but I don't know. I just kind of have like ripped off the band and been like, Emma, you deserve to like buy things for once, which has been a nice feeling. Yeah, I agree. I think when I first started doing freelance, I had no fucking boundaries between work and non-work and like was answering emails like all the fucking time and never had any moments of joy. Like I just genuinely wouldn't look up from my phone for hours on end, which sucks that I know it's my job and whatever, but I didn't have any boundaries between that either. And I think it's hard. I mean, I also feel that way too. Like you... I I interact with a lot of like quote influencers in real life at like events if I see them and you know I've met people where I'm like their life looks so cool they look so happy all of this stuff and then you meet them and it's like oh like it's very one-dimensional like they're just a person that's like eating lunch like you know I I don't know I have kind of like think that always like this person is like doing better than me or like probably is so happy because they have like this brand deal or like they're going to this fun vacation but it's like not that deep. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors. And I feel like with social media, I try to be not like, I'm so happy. Like yesterday I was like down bad, like on a city bike ride, like listening to Taylor Swift, like crying. Like I, I was just sad for no reason, like brain chemistry, no reason to be sad. Um, and so it's, it's very common. It's very normal that like life goes in phases and waves. Um, been losing my mind, like Kanye West. Like I saw a tweet and it was like, I really relate to Kanye West because he like is insane. And I'm like, yeah, kind of me, kind of me. So that's been a music that I've been um, listening to, which I enjoy. And then my last point is like my night routine after I eat dinner, because it's like dark or it's light outside till like what, 820 something. 
is like going on a walk and looking hot in a mini dress. That's about it. You know, uh, just helps with the confidence. And then I just go back into my room and I'm back alone, but you know, a little bit of serotonin. Anyways, today's podcast episode is about fitness trackers. Um, we've wanted to do this from a perspective of one launching supple fingers crossed on that one girl is we have no money and that's why everything is hard for us to do, but we won't bitch about it. You know, we're just two young girl bosses out here trying, but we wanted to think about like what the relationship between data privacy is, like how accurate are these fitness trackers, kind of who's buying them and like, is it good to have one? Like, obviously, you know, I'm in my background with food and stuff of like having eating disorders and like that obsessive restrictive behavior. Like I've never gotten into this because I just thought it would be a really dark place for me to like constantly have data about my body. Like that's the last thing that I think a lot of people need. Um, but I know that they're very common. I've thought a lot about getting a Garmin for running. So we want to do a full episode about this subject for you guys. Yes. So without further ado, let's get into the show. <laughs> let's get into it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm up your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Our next partner is a product that Emma and I take every single day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to find a greens powder that actually blended together. The taste is hands down the best greens powder I've been able to find. It even has a mild tropical taste and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, you name it. For me, I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I've always known that taking a greens powder is a great addition to one's wellness routine, but I could just never get past the unpleasant taste. This completely changed once I started taking Athletic Greens. It tastes so good that I actually look forward to drinking it every morning, something I never knew was possible. Plus, Athletic Greens contains dairy-free probiotics, and let me tell you, my digestion has never been better. Another thing that Emma and I love is that it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Meet Rootless, the daily bite, a whole food, once daily nutrition bite. The goal of Rootless is to make the incredible benefits of seaweed accessible to everyone in an easy and delicious format because all wellness gods love iodine. Each daily bite provides 60% of your daily iodine needs. 20% of your daily iron needs, and 40-plus essential nutrients and bioactives. The bites are made from sustainably sourced seaweed, almonds, dates, and seeds, and they come in three delicious flavors, including coconut chai, double strawberry, and orange pistachio. I love taking mine in the morning with a cup of coffee. It is such a pleasant way to start my day. 
You can use code CMOSGIRLIES for 15% off rootless starter kits. Now back to the show. Besties, let's get into the show on Fitness Tractor. So first, we're just going to kind of start off with like why wearables are now like all the craze and like a little bit of a history. So it's definitely like easy to assume that like Apple developed like the first wearable. And I feel like, you know, Fitness Tractors really like became super popular once Apple launched the Apple Watch. But in fact, the first known wearable was a pedometer and it was invented by Abraham Lewis Perlet. But fitness tractors, as we know of them today, was initially introduced by Dr. Yoshiro Hatano, who was a professor at uh, University of Health and Welfare in Japan. And when we did, I think, our longevity episode about like steps, we talked a little bit about like this creation of the Monpo key, which translates to 10,000 steps meter. But essentially, Dr. Yoshiro, he was like doing research on like obesity in Japan and like how to combat it. And he came to the conclusion that like 10,000 steps was, um, he came to the conclusion that 10,000 steps was like kind of like the proper like amount of like steps to take in order to have like a proper balance of like caloric intake and activity based like calorie expenditure to maintain like a healthy body. And really the only way he came about this like 10,000 step like number was really based on like watching how many average steps of people in like Japan were taking and it like hovered around like 5,000 steps and we've kind of have debunked and like there's a lot of articles on the internet saying like 10,000 steps is like kind of bullshit like you're definitely can see benefits with just taking at least like four to 5,000. But anyway, um, so I mean, the watch manufacturer then kind of like utilized Dr. Yoshiro's research to develop a pedometer called the Mano P Kai, which again translates to 10,000 steps meter. And this was launched ahead of the 1964 Tokyo Olympics as a way to really like encourage like physical activity in the country. But kind of like fast forward now, like many, many years, and there's now been like countless wearables on the market, such as like Nike Fuel, Jawbone. I know like Fitbit was like, you know, one of the first ones that I feel like people really like jumped on, but Apple was really able to kind of like capitalize off of these successes and introduce their version. And like their first watch was originally just supposed to be like a fancy, like gadget that you wear on your wrist. Like they kind of like, you know, marketed it more as like jewelry, but then they kind of pivoted to health once they, once they realized that like, okay, there is so much, um, like power and like, you know, people are interested in like having like some sort of like wearable health device. And like early day wearables, again, with like the Nike Fuel and Fitbit, they were like very clunky and they kind of felt more like a companion to your phone. But like with the Apple Watch, like wearables really became like their standalone devices, which provided like extra value because you didn't have to like rely on like, you know, different apps or like carrying your phone everywhere. And I also feel like too, like COVID definitely probably made wearables more mainstream and popular because it gave people, again, like a chance to have like a better pulse on their health without going to the doctor. And also just like more and more people became like health conscious and became where they're like, okay, I should like actually care about my health. And I think like easiest ways to like have something that like is in your pocket that you can just like look at. And that's like very intuitive for like the average person to be like, okay, I know that like my heart rate is like this, this isn't good. And so I, again, like, I think like COVID has definitely made these even like more and more popular. And I definitely feel like just like as a consumer, I've noticed like more people like talking about wearables and I've just like seen more like on the market, like as a result. Yeah. And I agree too with the pandemic. I think a lot of people definitely got into walking more. Like just there was but I don't even remember those early days, March 2020, April 2020. Like we were just I was like, well, it's time to go on another walk. I can't go anywhere. So let's just go on a walk. And I think that definitely led the, led to the rise of like the Apple Watch, which is probably mm-hmm. like the best known wearable. And we're gonna kind of break down like some of those most popular ones. I've heard a lot about these wearables, kind of like intuitively can guess what they do but not super technically known about like the pros and cons of each but on like a broader scale I've always been curious like who are these people or who are these like for like what's the main demographic of who's buying a wearable I think like Emma said when it first was just a pedometer and like a step counter I know that my dad who's had three heart attacks he had those like in our house and my sister and I would like put them on as a joke and like try to get all these like steps running around the house so it was definitely marketed to people who've had issues with like heart problems before but now it's in this whole new like scale of who's a consumer of wearables and it was really shocking to me like Pew Research did a big study on like demographics of wearables which I'll get into now and so one in five Americans use a fitness tracker whether that's an Apple Watch Fitbit anything or a ring we'll get into more of them which I found to be a lot I did not expect it to be that high of just overall and like the industry at large is valued at like 32 billion dollars and much of it is due to the apple watch which is kind of the most mainstream or most accessible one that everyone has and definitely more people were buying fitness trackers during the pandemic it was very interesting this study that looked at like gen z versus gen x versus millennials etc it said that gen z ownership of these wearables and fitness trackers remain flat 
but there's already a 25% baseline of Gen Z's that like do buy fitness trackers, which just proves that like, we're all more into tech probably because we just have an iPhone. So we're like, what's the, what's the issue of me just getting, you know, a wearable now versus Gen X who like, doesn't have as many wearables as us. So it's just kind of an indicator that like, you know, Gen Z has more of an interest in technology uh, that definitely companies want to pay attention to and like how to market to Gen Z versus Gen X. Um, but when it gets to like a class status, about like three in 10 Americans living in households that earn over like $75,000 a year say that they wear a smartwatch or a fitness tracker. But when you look at those with the household, household income below $30,000, it's only about 12% that wear a fitness tracker, which is obvious. These are expensive things. Like if you have the leisure time to care about little things like your, your health all at all these different biomarkers, you definitely have a lot of your other more primal basic needs covered. Like you have food on the table, you have a house over your head that you can go and buy a fitness tracker now. Um, it's similar breakdowns at educational level lines, as you can imagine. When it comes to race and gender, um, women are actually more likely to say that they are wearing these devices. It's like 25% to 18% um, from women to men. And then also Hispanic adults are more likely than whites to report wearing fitness trackers. It's like pretty slim about like 26 to 20%. Um, and black Americans fall between like 23%. So on race lines, it's pretty neutral, but I just thought it was interesting that maybe like women are more interested in this. Like you could think about the, the trope that like women stay at the house and like have all this time to like uh, care about this type of stuff where like men are at work, like the old gender stereotypes in the household. Um, so yeah, that's one thing about wearables. Yeah, it's definitely also interesting. Like, cause I don't really feel like I personally know many like Gen Z people that own like fitness tractors, but I guess like in Geneva, I guess a lot of people have like Apple watches and I feel like people probably utilize them more from like a fitness perspective versus like calorie counting or anything. Yeah. So this kind of then gets into like the pros and cons of wearables. And I think like one rule of thumb, if you're like someone who's interested in getting a wearable is like not just to get one because it's like a cool gadget. Like I definitely feel like you could, you should almost treat these like supplements in the sense of like, they should be like supplementing like your entire life. And you should only really be getting it for like a specific reason or purpose. Like if you're a true, like, you know, athlete training for something, then like, I think that makes sense. Or if you're like, someone who like does have like some sort of like health condition and you like do you need to track like your glucose like levels then yes or if you're like someone who's definitely like older and you're like you know knowing that you need to like care more about your health like you know that's one of the reasons why my dad got his apple watch but again I don't really feel like it's like smart just to like buy one just be like I'm just gonna get this um but anyway this kind of gets into a few of the pros just because I think like wearables can have like this very slope but I do think that they also have like some great benefits to them and like what they offer so I think the first biggest thing is that like you know, wearables are going to offer some sort of like accountability and encouragement, which can be like beneficial for those who are seeking to make like long-term lifestyle changes. Or if you just like, haven't been exposed to like what, like, you know, a more healthy, sustainable lifestyle is. Um, because I think like, again, these like wearables have, they do kind of like, you know, encourage like behavior changing techniques through like offering goal setting or like feedback and rewards through their, their apps and wearables. Like, you know, with the Apple ring, you know, it has like the, you know, the rings that you try to like close, like that's like a way to like encourage people to, you know, remain active throughout the day. But I think it's also very easy to become like obsessed with that and like feel like you like haven't done enough unless you like do close out all those rings. But I think it also can act as like a fitness buddy in that sense. Cause you know, like 48% of Americans, I did a little bit of research, feel intimidated to go to a gym or like partake in like a fitness class. And like, I know for me, sometimes I get nervous about like testing out like a new like workout class just because it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. And so again, I think this kind of like offers like someone like the chance, like, okay, I have like this like wearable, it's like going to kind of like help me get through, you know, going on a run or a jog. And like, you know, I think like that can like help people ease into exercise for sure. And also just like provides concrete numbers that are like easy to interpret for like the average person. Like I know levels, they kind of give you like, you know, if you whatever go above like something for your like glucose spike, it'll like give you points or something. So it's like easy for someone to like understand and kind of like turns everything like into a game. Another point is that like, there is like a lot of data obviously behind like all of these um, fitness trackers and wearables. So you're not going to be like shooting in the dark with like health choices. So you're getting information on your like personal health in real time, like 24 seven versus like waiting to go to the next doctor's office, which I think can like obviously give a lot of people like accessibility to like health. Cause a lot of people, you know, may not be able to like fully afford to be able to like actually see a doctor, like on a routine basis or always get like blood work done every like six to 12 months, whatever, you know, the time period is. But I think one thing to keep in mind is that like, you know, you do have to still put in the work when it comes to like having a wearable and like fixing your health. Like they're not going to just like, you know, fix and change your life. Like if you see a number, it's like, you kind of have to like, also like, you know, interpret that and like, you know, utilize that to like make changes in your own personal life. 
And I think lastly too, just like personalized health and wellness, like this is becoming more of a trend because like health is now so data-driven and I was doing like research and like in a lifetime, the average person generates like 300 million books of personal and health-related data. So I think just like from a personal standpoint of someone who was interested in like health and wellness, it is kind of like mind boggling that like we produce so much data and like it is very interesting and like enticing to like maybe like be able to visualize that and like see all the data that you do put out just because it is like so unique to each individual. And again, like we now we just like have the technology to be able to like interpret this and like we're kind of all realizing that there is like no one size fits all approach to health, which is kind of why I feel like the rise of functional medicine is like so prevalent right now because like, you know, they're getting to like the root cause and like trying to address the root cause versus just like slapping a bandaid on the issue. And so you're able to like really like, you know, tailor goals that are more like personal and like individualized to you. And I think these like wearables do provide a lot of um, benefits in regards to like obtaining those goals. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of like the barriers I feel to fitness is like Emma said earlier that like a wearable could be good because you are focusing on your lane, like not what everyone else is saying, like not comparing your status to others. And that's like a reason a lot of people ask me about Strava if I have one as a runner and I don't, um, I've just never gotten onto it. I've always used Nike run club and I never want to share my runs with other people. Like that is fine for you if it's motivational, but I think there's like another personality, which is me that I don't like comparing myself to other people. And I don't want to know what other people are doing. So I think a wearable could be good if that's like your mindset around it. I know there is way, I think with Apple watch and one of the others where like you can share your data with friends or like you can challenge your friends to like get more steps and that could be like pretty demented after a while but maybe it's that's a really good motivating factor if you've never worked out and don't know what to do some of the cons of wearables um definitely data privacy is going to be a big one here so in order for these <laughs> free apps to make money they are selling your data that's why you get ads on stuff um flow the period app got in a huge lawsuit i don't know which year we get a lot of dms about it and i'm like yes we definitely know guys we know a lot of stuff like we know that almond milk is bad for the environment we don't take CMOS and I know that Flow is a data snatching app. Yes. Um, Pew Research did research on this and kind of like, what do Americans think about data? Because my perspective is like, if I get an ad for something that I talked about into my iPhone, that's fucked up and that's scary. But at this point, like, I'm not going to throw my, I need my iPhone to function in society. I'm not going to go and be a nomad, like in the middle of nowhere. So it's kind of like, okay, fuck. Yeah date companies have our data that's like my perspective on it so there's no clear consensus among the pub public whether sharing like the information with medical research is acceptable or not four in ten americans say that it's acceptable for fitness trackers to use your data to kind of understand you know the relationship between exercise and heart disease i know whenever you do any sort of data or any like a lot of websites it's like is it okay for me to use your data in research and most of the time i click yes I guess I sometimes I click no it's all personal preference but if there were to be like some huge breakthrough that happened because I gave a company my data like I don't know it's kind of a, a mixed bag there um but somewhat you know a somewhat smaller share of people say that like 35 percent of people say that it's unacceptable for companies to share data with medical researchers 22 percent are kind of in this unsure area so it's it's risky I think to give your data to these companies but at the same time I'm like everything has our data like we're talking into our iphones every fucking day like if if you're like it's like people who didn't get the vaccine they're like oh it has a microchip in it i'm like yet you walk around willingly with your fucking iphone every day like do not think that shit is tracking you like you can't play like both sides of it the next con of wearables is that sometimes like people don't know exactly what to do with the data like i know a lot of them do give lifestyle recommendations of things you could change and then see like if your sleep gets better, if you perform better, but sometimes it's really hard to grasp, like myself included, like heart rate zone, that doesn't make a lot of like sense to me, you know, like REM sleep, if I got like a score of 60, I'm sure it would say more about what to do with that, but like, it's not that intuitive, and I think it can just be like weird to think about your body like a little robot versus just like, oh, I felt sleepy today, oh, maybe because I didn't, you know, I didn't do this, this, and this, so it kind of gets you out of hunger with your, out of, um, you know, natural, I was going to say hunger levels, like out of your natural state of like waking up when you feel good and like fueling yourself when you need to, it's not as intuitive. That's the word I was looking for. The next thing is that it's kind of forcing people to get in this relationship where you trust private companies over doctors. Now, there are plenty of issues with the medical establishment. There are plenty of reasons to question your doctor. I actually want to start reading this book called Inflamed. It's like the subtitles, like the deep injustice of medicine and talks a lot about like colonialism and racism and like the medical profession and like 
private companies, all this type of stuff. So I'm not saying there's like not plenty of reasons to not trust the medical establishment. Many women and minorities are underdiagnosed, not taken seriously when they come with certain pain or different like issues. But it gets scary when like, okay, so we don't trust our doctors, but I'm going to just trust this random thing called levels. Like who the fuck was making this app, right? Like tech, a lot of the time is not like a a clean one-to-one like substitute for doctors who've gone to get, you know, their degree and like gone to years and years of school for this versus some random tech man who was like, yeah, let's just take their data on their menstrual cycle and sell it to all these fucking companies. So just be cautious about like completely flipping over to now private companies. And then the other thing that we've already mentioned about like your background, if you've had history of eating disorders, if you've had restrictive tendencies, orthorexia, these might not be the best for you. Uh, once again, you could get it and purchase it in a, like a good state of mind that like, I'm going to track this and be healthy and all this stuff. It could get to a slippery slope where you are using this for bad things. You treat yourself as good or bad. If you closed all your rings, if you got a certain step count, if you worked out this many days of the week, like once you become super hyper aware, like you're not enjoying your life. I know that when I was in the peak of my eating disorder, it was so focused on like, did I do this much movement? Did I do this? I didn't even like care like what happened to me on a day-to-day basis because I was just in this like regimented idea of like what I had to do to like quote be healthy and that's like the most unhealthy I've been so just a caution before you go and purchase them yeah and I think also like um kind of like getting to like you know how accurate are they like there's so many different fitness trackers that or like wearables that are going to track different things you know between sleep steps heart rate you know blood glucose levels etc Um, so we kind of did like a little like breakdown of like a few, but I mean, also just like do the research too, before you like go out and buy any of these things, like ensure they're like vetted and whatnot. Um, like probably best not to buy like some like knockoff off of Amazon. Right. But so like steps, so I was doing research and like measurements tend to be pretty accurate, but best rule of thumb is like to have like something that's like placed near your hip as this is like the best place to measure steps. So like either placing your phone in your pocket will probably give you the greatest accuracy, Next is like heart rate. This is one that I'm like very interested in mainly because like this is one that like my dad pays attention to the most on his Apple watch, but um, you will have like the best, will have the best ability to track kind of like at rest for like heart rate when it comes to these wearables, but you're going to see more variability when you're working out. And there's a few studies that have like, you know, proven this from like Iowa State University and that like, you know, when you are working out, your heart rate could be off by like 20 beats from like what your wearable is showing you. But like, so at a given moment, yes, it could be off, but they said kind of like when you look at it more from like a long-term perspective, like the average will be pretty accurate. And I was also interested just like how you like track heart rate, like that, like a lot of this like technology stuff, like again, above my head. Um, but there's this thing, this is the acronym, I'm not gonna even attempting to pronounce it, but it's PPG. And so like, this is what, this is the technology that's like utilized to measure heart rate. This is what Apple Watch uses, but it's essentially testing how much red or green light it can see when looking at the skin on your wrist. So the blood obviously is red in our body because it reflects red light and absorbs green light. So when your heart beats, there's going to be more blood flow in your wrist. And so more green light will be absorbed. And so then between heartbeats, there's going to be less absorption of green light. So essentially like this, these heart rate monitors are just kind of like assessing like how much like green light essentially is like in your skin, which I found interesting. Yeah. Another thing that they're bad for is calories. I feel like I've always known this when you're on a treadmill and it says like you burn this many calories. One, if you're taking that number and then like doing some weird mental math of like, oh, I burned this many calories. So now I'm in a deficit and this, this, and this, like you're not, they're not that accurate. And then also too, like, why the fuck are you doing that? (laughs) Like, why the fuck are you so worried about like how many calories you burn? Like I make an effort whenever I post, like if I do, which is very rare, like how long I run, I always block out that part on like Nike run club. Cause I'm like, that's stupid. And I know people post their like Fitbits and their workout and they always check it after workout classes to see how many calories burned. It's like your body is so much more complex than like what you burned. And this one trainer that used to be a soul cycle instructor, now she works with Aloe Moves. Her name's Roxy Jones. I'm friends with her. She's great. If you want like someone to follow that's like super educated on fitness stuff, she always talks about like what is your neat. So that is your non thermogenesis, like when you're you're not working out, but like how you're moving throughout the rest of the day. And she emphasizes that as like a lot as someone who's done bodybuilding, as someone who's done like strength training and like a soul cycle instructor, where you are like taking nine spin classes a week and also doing personal training. Like she cares so much about what you're doing when you're not working out. And so I think to fixate on like the calories, 
it's the there's a Stanford study in 2017 that basically looked at like fitness devices and it said that there's no risk monitoring devices that have an acceptable error range when it comes to your energy expenditure. So it's best to not get hung up on your calories. It's just like a very rough guideline and like once again, just dumb in the grand scheme of your personal health. So looking into product by product, you guys might know some of these, you might not know some of these. I feel like being a, a wellness god, I've been exposed to some of these more like niche kind of like I would, I'll say elitist, honestly, like some of them are just for like very, I just feel like it's people with money that just buy all these like random fucking Fitbits. Some of them are fitness trackers. Some of them are more into mainstream and some of them are like very weird. So Fitbit, this, the history of fitness wearables can be roughly traced to like Fitbit launching in 2008. Obviously it goes back earlier to like step counters, but this is the first real like fitness tracker that comes to market. It's like the lowest price of it is like $180. They obviously have a bunch of different varieties. Um, they're kind of like leading among older consumers. 68% of their consumers are like between 55 and 64. And the other 60% of like their owners are older, older than 65. So I thought that to be pretty interesting. I mean, it checks the basic things like your heart rate, your blood oxygen, your sleep also has GPS. Um, you also can do like Fitbit pay. So like contactless like payments, I guess, if you're like on a run and like want to buy a coffee, I don't know. The next one is Apple watch. I think the biggest thing to note is that it's not a medical device. I feel like a lot of people really think that like, it's like, oh, I'm getting like blood work from my doctor through my Apple watch. Like it's, it's not that serious. The health conditions that it can monitor are going to be your heart rate. So it can also detect like abnormal heart rhythms, which is really good if you are like someone that is a runner, for example, like if you never can get your heart rate to get back to normal, that's a sign that you're killing yourself. Um, loud noise is another thing that I thought was very interesting. Like if you, um, cause obviously you could like lose your hearing and that leads to other health issues. It also can track your menstrual cycle activity level. The big thing about the Apple watch is the rings and like the workout tracking, which I'm sure people know about. Um, and like Apple research, there's this, or like Apple obviously has like a bunch of different apps that go with Apple watch. There's one called Apple research and you can join this huge, like massive research if you want to give them your data. And it looks into hearing health, women's health and heart health. Um, they're kind of aligning with like the world health organization. The thing with like the Apple Watch, um, the biggest issue that I was like looking when comparing it to other things is like Aura and Fitbit, for example, often like these versions of like your sleep and your readiness score and Fitbit doesn't really have, or Apple Watch doesn't really have anything good for your sleep in comparison. Apple Watch is like $400. Um, I mean, Apple things are just expensive generally, so that could be another issue. The next one that's a little bit more niche is going to be the Aura ring. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it. It actually looks like a wedding ring. I think it's like $300 for like, the lowest price. This is most known for sleep tracking and recovery. This is one that I'm actually very interested in. I don't really give a fuck about my daily activity and like that stuff. Like I'm not going to make all these like changes so I can like get my like rings to be more efficient, whatever the hell. But sleep is something that like is so, like Emma said before, if you don't have data on stuff, you're kind of guessing. And I would love to have data on my sleep because like, what, you, how are you going to get in a toxic relationship with sleep? Be like, damn, I'm going to sleep more. Like, fuck, I didn't like sleep hard enough. I'm going to sleep more today versus all the other matters you could get into like super orthorexic behavior. Um, the aura ring will link to your Apple health, it gives you a sleep score, kind of breaking down your REM sleep, your total sleep and your deep sleep. It gives you these scores that are based on like your sleep activity and readiness from what one to a hundred, hundred being the highest. And then based on those different scores you get, it gives you lifestyle changes for optimal health. So like if you're someone that loves having access to information, this could be a good one for you if you really want to like take action with your sleep health. The accuracy of Aura Ring is also extremely effective. The company's validation studies have shown that the Aura Ring's measurements of heart rate and heart rate variability are at about like 99.9%. So if you're buying this, you are investing in health and actually like getting a good product as well. Yeah. And the next one, which I feel like it's been like discussed a lot. And I've heard like a lot of ads for on all the little podcasts. I'm sure a lot of you guys, if you also listen to a lot of functional medicine doctors on like podcasts, you have probably heard of this, but it's levels. So it's a CGM, which is a, a continuous glucose monitoring system. And basically it's like tracking, like in real life, how like dial and lifestyle impact your metabolic health. Obviously this is like all the rage right now. I don't think for someone that's like our age, this is really like necessary to like freak out about or like care much about unless like you have seen a doctor and they're like, you know, have told you that like you do need to worry about this. But this is again, just going to mean to be like tracking your glucose spikes and levels. And so um, you wear this like CGM and then you have access to this app to track all of your insights. And basically this like sensor attaches to the back of like your arm via like a tiny probe and they like, which is like inserted under like the surface of your skin. And so like the devices just takes, um, glucose reading automatically like every 15 minutes and it's, tr it's transmitted to like relevant data to your level smartphone app 
for processing the information and data. And they pair this like glucose monitoring technology with its own like algorithms to make data like easy for someone to interpret for like the average person. And, you know, the pro of this, yes, is that it like promotes personalized helps, personalized health and like really helps you figure out what foods are like quote unquote best for you because, you know, someone might see like a glucose spike from like eating cashews, but someone else may not. And so I think like that is kind of interesting, but also I think like, again, this can get you in territory where it's like, oh God, I can like never eat a donut again. Cause like my blood glucose, you know, spiked this much. And like, yes, you don't want elevated glucose levels all the time, but also it's like, it's okay here and there, like we're humans and there's more to life than just like all of that. But I think like the craziest thing is just like how fucking expensive the shit is. Um, yeah. so it's hundred $199 a year for an annual membership. You get the app, blood test community, one-on-one nutritional coaching, but for the initial signup, it's a total of $400 because you are paying for like the two 14 day glucose monitors. And if you want to continue the subscription, it's an additional like $200 per shipment for these glucose monitors. So again, who is going to be able to afford that to be able to continue like to paying for this, like, you know, service is just going to be like people who are very wealthy and have like a lot of disposable income. And there's a lot more like cheaper, you know, more, not more efficient, I want to say, but like cheaper, you know, glucose monitors on the market that like you don't need all the bells and whistles when it comes to like an app but yes that is like an advantage and does add like a lot of value to the product um so yeah I don't really know what to think about like on levels I am interested but I don't think I would ever personally buy for myself just because I think that could be a slippery slope um for me yeah I think for me it'd be way too much fucking information that I would like go paranoid about like it's also like breaking up a new shell of like type of information that I'd be paranoid about like yikes um other two the garmin i know people use this for running i'm probably going to purchase one in the next few months um because it tracks your heart rate and that's kind of like the main audience that uses them there's a lot of different varieties next one is whoop now this is weird because it's this category where you have to like get on a wait list is that the same with levels too yeah Um, like i was talking to someone about it and they're like oh do you want me to send you it's like almost like a friend pass on raya to get onto whoop and i'm like why are these so fucking exclusive so didn't really look much into whoop i figured none of you like cmos girlies are gonna like go down that rabbit hole unless you maybe are like a 35 year old man that listens to our podcast i don't fucking know um the next one is inside tracker i've heard this on all the pods i thought it was insight tracker for the longest time whenever mark heim would read an ad about it um it was founded in 2009 it was first offered to athletes when they launched it and it's compatible with an apple watch so what it looks like is the first step is you do a blood test. You also can update or upload like blood results to their portal if you have them previously. And then second, your results come in and it kind of gives you these ranges. It like gives you a normal range of each biomarker and how you compare with your age and gender. Like when we talk about longevity and kind of like what's your biological age versus your like, what's the other term? Like your, your health chronological like, age. Yeah. Chronological age. Like this one, you, you'll be able to track like how you're fitting in and like if you're younger than your actual age and all that type of stuff. You get 30 biomarkers and, you know, kind of thinking like which biomarkers did they choose? Insight Tracker sort of designed this to believe that like these are the 30 that most people can benefit from learning about. So as I said before, it analyzes your blood for various like markers. Most things are going to be like sugar, cholesterol levels, liver enzymes, and then it will recommend you lifestyle changes based on what it sees. So for example, let's say you're low on vitamin D, it could recommend you to take a supplement. It could explain what vitamin D does to your body. I think that's awesome from an educational perspective because, you know, who the fuck knows what LDL cholesterol is and what things you're doing that can be making yours worse. But another thing to note about like Inside Tracker is it doesn't give you a diagnosis of disease, which I think is good. Like, it's not going to say like, based on this, you have diabetes because that's like not the right place for this to replace like what a doctor is doing. So I think that's a good thing about Inside Tracker. Critics say though, that there's not enough data in the scientific literature to like define these like optimal ranges that Inside Tracker has defined. Like if it's, if it's saying that you're, let's say you are 23, but let's say you are, your biomarkers tell me you're 40. People are saying that like, whatever these ranges that it's like defining as like an optimal cholesterol level are not actually scientifically backed so that's one thing to note about all of this it's pretty pricey it's like six hundred dollars for their most popular plan because you have to do the blood work you have to get all the data like it makes sense i guess like why it costs that much money so uh, you know it's just once again like who's going to be able to afford this people with financial capacity to have access to their data and kind of the other point that like i was thinking about when looking at inside tracker is like you know okay you're getting blood work and you're getting results can't you just go to the fucking doctor like, why are people buying Inside Tracker when you could just go and get, no, if you don't have access to it, this could be a substitute, yes, but like, 
if you're someone that has health insurance and you go and get weekly checkups, like why the fuck do you need insight tracker? Some of the biomarkers tested by it overlap with what a physician would check during your routine checkup. Insight tracker, however, looks at the results a little bit differently. It has more of a focus on your optimized health than just like avoiding disease. Like a doctor will run your blood work and say, okay, you are likely to have like pre-diabetes where insight tracker is just going to say like, you should get more steps in the day. So it is a little bit different, but I think at the same point, like if you are going to the doctor, this might not be that efficient for you or like important to do. Um, there are some biomarkers that doctors don't test for. A lot of the times doctors do not run a full hormone panel. So like sex hormones, B12 is often not like studied when you go to your traditional doctor. So it could be beneficial that you're getting a little bit like different biomarkers. And then a keynote that like, I kind of want to close out the pod with is that like, why should consumers trust an app that has a business model of like selling more of their product as opposed to a physician who has a minimum of six years training to prepare to interpret vital results that relate to you as an individual. Just keep that in the back of your head. Like these companies are in the business to make profit. They are taking your data and like you are willingly submitting to that. I get it. I get that the medical establishment is problematic. I get that there's like lobbied interests and like doctors oftentimes like overprescribe things like antidepressants and all this stuff. But just think about like, why are we giving these private companies so much control as well, right? I don't think it's a clear cut that like doctors are good, doctors are bad, private companies are good or bad either. But it's just a little bit scary as we are in this world, you know, fueled with tech. Um, I'm trying to think of what we should call this pod episode called like, the tech warlords or something like that. Yeah. Yes. The yeah. tech warlords. The tech, kind of the, tech, the tech revolution. Um, but yeah, if Emma and I were to launch wearable, you know, that's, that's down the line with supple, but definitely wouldn't be selling your data. We just want to do something that like would be educational. That would be like a fun little Tamagotchi where you take your magnesium and it says what the magnesium is doing to your body. It's not like you're not pricking your finger every like third of the month and like doing a, a, a prayer and an offering to Elon Musk to like get access to our little wearable. It's just going to be a cute be little thing. cute and quirky. And yes, it would not be scary. <laughs> yeah. Also another thing, when people wear their Apple watch with like a nice outfit, take it off, take yeah. it off. I've seen wedding photos like on hinge and stuff of guys that have like their Apple watch on brother, take it off. Disgusting. Disgusting. Yeah. Anyways, that's the pod. Happy Saturday, everyone. Um, you know, with love and light, you know, next week we have the founder of Olipop, one of the co-founders, uh, Ben, will be the conversation. So look forward to that. Um, there's there's giveaways on the meme page and y'all um, are eating them up. And I hope at one point we do so many that like everyone has won something at some point. So keep entering those. You'll get some goodies for us. But that's all we have for you today. Thanks, CMOS girlies. Thanks, Emma. Yeah, thank you, Kate. And we will chat with you guys later. Bye. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.